As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football League show. The transfer window might be closed, but can I interest you in a slightly shop-soiled Andy Carroll? No? Fair. Uh, we'll sort the winner does from the window and look ahead to the weekend's action as Leagues 1 and 2 get their chance to shine. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Uh, did you get what you wanted in the window? No, me neither. Never mind, listener. As always, January. Uh, I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined by two people who we fought tooth and nail to keep despite a plethora of interest from rival pods. Uh, having resisted overtures from the Poet Laureate has gone to his shed and happy mum, happy baby, Adrian Clark is back with us. Hello, MDA. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and despite speculation linking her with a move to Desert Island Discs, Michelle Owen is here too. I think I'd be so terrible on that podcast. Honestly, so let's just stick to this one. I'm just not cool or trendy, so let's just talk about football. <laughs> right, well, nobody here is, so that's where you fit into well, I think. I fit in well, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get to previewing the reduced EFL schedule later, and we'll be speaking with the Cheltenham boss, Michael Duff. But first, let's make like an 80s kid in the playground and talk transfers. Ah, oh, the summer was fun, wasn't it? No allegiances, everyone getting behind England, three lions being sung everywhere. But now the Premier League is back, get Grealish off the bench, ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands, now he's just a pair. And enough of Jules Rimet dreaming, now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the <coughs> paddy power. 18plusbegumbleaware.org You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, transfers were like fake tattoos that kids used to get at ASCII parents. Uh, anyway, the window's shut for permanent moves for EFL clubs. They can still sign free agents. More on whom later. Let's go through some teams who did well and those not so much over the closing days of the window. Uh, you got any winners for me, Adrian? Some winners, right. Um, I think Stoke. I'm, I'm really impressed by the business that they've done this summer. They have been quite measured in their approach. They haven't gone for sort of headline signings, but definitely recruit players that, that can improve their starting eleven. 
Ben Wilmot at the back has settled in great. Vrancic from Norwich is is a real game changer on his day. Sam Surridge up top has, has settled in nicely. Ostergaard at the back, I think that's a shrewd pickup. Romain Sawyers from West Brom. I didn't see that one coming, but he, we know what he can do in the in the championship. And, and another one that, that I spotted late doors is the guy that Brighton have just signed, Abdullah Seema. I saw him play against Arsenal for Slavia Prague last season, and he was lively. He was he was pretty sharp, so so he could be an exciting one to watch as well. So yes, yeah, Stoke um, Stoke have done ever so well in my opinion. There are others. I think Bournemouth, excellent late doors additions: Gary Cahill, Morgan Rogers, Jamal Lowe. I think that, that, that they're all excellent, and 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 Wigan clearly in League One, outstanding. I mean, they've had a wonderful start to the season. But they've done ever so well to recruit, to sort of attract the quality of player that, that they have this summer. I'm guessing, I'm going to take a punt here, that they're throwing a lot of money at these players. But 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 good on them. They've um, they, they, they've built a pretty good new team. Amazing how it can turn around, isn't it? From from on their knees financially to, to the big hitters in the division all of a sudden. Um, anybody else, Michelle, club-wise, who you think's had a good window? I think Sheffield Wednesday have had a, a good window overall. I think they've brought in 13 players uh, in total, so it's been a bit of a revamp. But one that caught me by surprise, and I'm sure many other people last, well, this week, was Sada Berahino returning to England, coming back from Belgium, where he's been for two years since he he left Stoke. Um, I haven't really, to be honest, I haven't really been keeping an eye on what he's been doing out, out there. I just sort of forgot about him. But he's 28 now, and... For someone who had so much promise, it's a bit like when we talked about Ravel Morrison before, isn't it? So much promise, but yet to fulfil it. But I just think Darren Moore is such a good good match for him. You know, they've both got the West Brom link and Darren Moore might be able to, I guess, just bring the best out of him with his, his very calm persona to me. I know it's cliched, but he's just got that calm aura about him. And Berahino, I went to watch Stoke... I think I was doing an interview there a few years ago at their training ground when they were still in the Premier League and Berahino was out training after everyone else. And he spent probably 20 minutes just trying to hit the ball. And I remember maybe it was Ian Wright or Robbie Fowler saying years ago that when you're a striker and not scoring, the best thing you can do is just stay after practice and just listen to the ball, hit the back of the net. It's like a psychological thing. But he couldn't hit the back of the net. So I was watching him, bless him, and his confidence was on the floor. So, look, good for him for coming back. You know, this is someone that was in England under 21 international. It didn't really pan out for him. And I'm excited. I mean, Saido Berrino in, in League One is not something I saw saw coming. So really interesting. And I think Sheffield Wednesday overall had, have had a pretty decent window. Yeah, there's a piece on The Athletic now, our friend Nancy Frostick and Steve Maidley teaming up to uh, to profile that Berahino move. Darren Moore was a mentor to him when he was at West Brom, apparently, and he, he knocked back some championship interest to link up with him again. Uh, so that's Sheffield Wednesday. That allows me, Clarkie, to segue into my losers section quite nicely because I've got Sheffield mm-hmm. United pegged as that. Slavisa Jukanovic at the oh, weekend yeah. talking about he wanted some more investment as he'd been promised by the board. Mm, they got Morgan Gibbs White on loan and and not much else this week. Anybody else coming into your category? And am I right I think to call that's them losers? Quite harsh, quite harsh, because Morgan Gibbs White has potential to be a brilliant Championship player. Um, he was superb, wasn't he, for Swansea before he got injured 
last season. So, and, and myself and Sam were talking, weren't we, about Sheffield United needing that link between the midfield and the attack, someone to sort of join it up. And I think he he can make a great difference, actually, to them. So, And, and obviously, Conor Harahan and, and Robin Olsen, by the way. Obviously, they let Ramsdale go to Arsenal. But Robin Olsen played quite a few first-team games for Everton last season, and, and he's been signed. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't have said it's a disaster. It's not not loads, not loads of players. But, but yeah, um, in terms of what I've picked out, Barnsley, it's a bit underwhelming. I, I quite like Josh Benson young player he was actually at Arsenal as a kid didn't quite make it at Burnley and he looks good but of the other players just just not sure any of them are going to make a difference they've signed a couple of strikers Isika from Toulouse who's the younger brother of Michi Bashwai um, it's never scored more than six in a season um, Ulare who's 25 been playing in Belgian and, and Dutch football has got a career total of 13 goals and he's 25 so I don't think those are going to be game changers. So I'm a bit underwhelmed by Barnsley. And, uh, and Blackburn I've picked out as well because obviously last season they had Harvey Elliott and Adam Armstrong. And it doesn't feel like Armstrong in particular has been replaced. Well, he hasn't. They didn't sign a striker. When you bring in 15 million for one of the most covetous strikers in the country and you knew that was coming, Blackburn, it was pretty obvious that Blackburn weren't going to keep hold of him this summer. I would have thought they had a contingency plan, but they haven't. And and they, they're going to rely on Sam Gallagher and Brereton Diaz really this season. And, and look, two decent players, but it's a lot on their shoulders. And if one gets injured, I think they're in trouble. So, yeah, and I look around the, the rest of the acquisitions and, and, yeah, I'm not that wowed by it really. So, yeah, Barnsley and Blackburn for me. Any advance on Barnsley and Blackburn, Michelle? Um, I just think Swansea, Swansea fans would have been there on deadline day watching Jamal Lowe and Connor Roberts go, especially Connor Roberts. I mean, he's, it sounds again. Sorry, I feel like I'm I'm churning out all the cliches today, but absolutely one of their own. Loves that club. Like I've done post match with him there. I've spoken to him when he's been away with Wales. I know he's been injured recently. He got that horrible injury in the uh, round of sixteen game in the Euros. He, honestly, Conor Roberts is 100% for me Premier League quality and it was just a matter of time until he went. Just Burnley kind of, for me, came out of, came out of the blue. And I, for Russell Martin, Conor Roberts would have been a dream to work for, or with, not for, it's the other way around, isn't it? But Russell Martin would have <laughs> loved working with Conor Roberts. He's exactly the, the sort of player. Maybe with Jamal Lowe for Russell Martin, I'm not quite sure how that would have worked, how he would have fitted into his style of play. But um, players they've lost this window, Andre Ayew, Mark Gahey, Conor Hurahan, I know that was alone. Freddie Woodman, I know that was alone as well. So the squad needed some some tuning, really. They got around £4 million for Conor Roberts and Jamal Lowe. But six of the 11 players who started the playoff final defeat to Brentford uh, in May are no longer at the club. So this is really a big, big turnover for Swansea. But Jean Pido, I saw him... Uh, what game was it we did on Sky a couple of weeks ago? I thought he was great. Uh, was it the Bristol City game? I think it was. And um, Michael Abafemi, who I've watched for a while and been a big admirer of, felt he just needs a bit of game time. Jamie Patterson's a, a good signing. So it's not all doom and gloom. Um, I just I just feel like the Conor Roberts one is, is, is massive. And he would have been so great for Russell Martin. So now I've got a soft spot for Swansea. I went to university there and I'm really sad to see him go. I, 
I just think Swansea fans have got used to being in and around the playoffs the last couple of seasons. I'm not quite sure that's going to materialise this season. I think they've got a lot of work to do under Russell Martin, a lot of changes happening. And as much as the Swansea fans love that ball playing football, pass, 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 they're going to have to exercise a lot of patience. And yeah, Derby, I'm sorry, just... There isn't much to add from what you've been saying in recent weeks with Derby. I think Wayne Rooney must have been sat there on transfer deadline day just trying to tear his hair out because they're just not able to do a lot, are they? I think they did well to get those those loans in towards the end and Baldock as well was a good signing, you know, after Colin Kazim Richards got injured. But it's very difficult times there at the moment. I like how you put trying to tear his hair out in there, Michelle. Appreciate that a lot. Um, Clucky, just on, finally on Swansea, um, where's Matt Grimes head at this morning? Uh, you know, because he nearly went to Fulham, didn't he? And, and I'm sure he would have been more than up for that, challenging at the top of the table with a nice bump in wages. Difficult for players to adjust when, when a move falls through at the last minute, I guess, and, and get you focused back to your, your current club. It can be. It depends how much he'd set his heart on that move doesn't it? It, it if he thought it was definitely going to happen he'd have been imagining that in his head and, and making plans accordingly and yeah for a few weeks you might be on a bit of a downer but but I think Matt Grimes is a good character I don't think there's anything to you know in his background that suggests there'll be an issue there he's a good pro I know that Sam knows him well and and speaks really highly of him so I, th- I think no I think he'll just knuckle down and what you've got to do in that position is earn an even better move that, that's the way I would look at it I would think well I nearly got to Fulham well I'm going to play I'm going to have a brilliant season the best I can be even if Swansea are mid-table I'm going to be awesome so that Fulham want me when they're back in the Premier League and other teams chase after me as well so so look sometimes having that sort of setback delaying it by year you can you can end up with a better move that's that's the most positive way to look at it he could of course just just be miserable all, all season and be rubbish but that wouldn't that wouldn't help him or his career so now I think I think he'll be fine uh, speaking of miserable and rubbish listener you know I'm going to chuck Forrest in to the losers uh, needed a striker got pied by Josh Madger ended up with another Olympiakos cast off who couldn't cut it in the German second division a Paraguayan midfielder and a 24 year old West Ham reserve so things are looking up. <laughs> what about Troy Deeney going to Birmingham? I yeah. thought that was a good move. Um, I, w- I love it when when a player that clearly supports a team gets the chance to, to play for them. And yeah, like he'd been gutted, I think, to, to leave Watford because he was such a legend there. But it, if he could have handpicked a team to, to join before he packed it in, it would be Birmingham City, wouldn't it? And, and I think that he joins a... Quite a vibrant team, actually. I think Lee Bowie has made some good signings. And, and yeah, he'll be, I mean, Dini, Jukovic, Hogan with Tahit Chong sort of, you know, firing the ammunition. Quite excited by that, really. Yeah, it could be a team to watch. Uh, Ipswich, 19 players signed, still struggling to integrate them. They'd probably be a loser too. Uh, there's loads of free agents about. Interested to, to get the guys' takes on, on whether we'll see any of these pitch up in the Championship or League One or League Two. Some names that stood out to me. Robbie Brady, Daniel Sturridge, Andre Wisdom, Wilfred Boney, Ahmed Al-Mohamedi, Kadeem Harris, Neil Taylor, Hal robson Carney, and the aforementioned Andy Carroll. Um, Michelle, I feel like... Daniel Sturridge to Sheffield United might be might be a nice fit. Um, anybody else on that list who you, you could see getting a club soon? 
Daniel Sturridge, I think he's been without a club for 18 months, which what? is a long time like to get back into so he's retired really then yeah. basically yeah he'd been training with um Real Mallorca in Spain but a deal didn't come off for whatever reason you know he's, he's got five major honors to his name he's won two champions leagues I I loved watching him play the World Cup in Brazil I thought he was brilliant and I just it's really sad isn't it when you see this happen to players 119 career goals he scored I I Read, uh, I think it was Stephen Gerrard's book, though. He said, whenever he's got the slightest niggle, he won't play. He has to be perfect. I mean, when does that ever happen to anyone? So if that's if there's any truth in that, it's just it feels like it's a real, real waste of a career. I would love to see him in the championship. Really would. Throw some other names at me. Neil Taylor. Uh, saw him in summer when I, before Wales went away. And, yeah, definitely got the vibe that, he wasn't quite sure what was coming next. Again, you still feel like he's got a bit left in him, don't you? Um, and Wilfred Bonney was training, as you all know, with Newport for ages. I think he was might have been back there again last season at some point. Um, but I assume they can't afford his wages or something. But imagine Wilfred Bonney in League Two. That would be something. The, the wages is the issue, Clark, isn't it? You know, Neil Taylor, a reserve fullback at Aston Villa last season, will still have been on crazy money. Same for Ahmed El Mohamedi, I would guess. Even Andy Carroll was probably on a decent amount at Newcastle. And, and there's going to have to be a kind of readjustment of expectation from these kind of players if they are going to be dropping into the EFL. Yeah, exactly. It's, any kind of deal is better than no money, isn't it, coming in? Let's, let's be honest. So... So yeah, if you want to continue your career in that position and you've got that hunger to come back strong, then then you might have to take a deal that you feel is is beneath you. You know, it's the same for someone like Jack Wilshere, really. If he's got that 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 genuine desire to to come back and come back swinging, then he might have to take a deal that that he would never dreamed of taking before. But you've just got to find the right fit, haven't you? In their shoes. I've been looking at the manager and, and, and the coaching staff and thinking, who do I want to work with? Can Would I really enjoy myself under this manager? Can he improve me? And and could he potentially resurrect my career? That that would be the way that I would look at it in, in this situation. I actually know the agent of Robbie Brady. And and I, I know that he was um, linked with a number of clubs overseas. And he was very open to sort of that experience, Robbie Brady. So I think he put his eggs a little bit in that basket. He's more than willing, I believe, to to sacrifice a lot of, you know, a large percentage of the wages that he, he's been on at Burnley to, to get himself a move. And yeah, I, I'm sure that there must be a championship club out there that could benefit from Robbie Brady, who, who puts some wonderful balls into the box. If you've got a target man centre forward, Get Robbie Brady into your side, and yeah, I, I think that he'd be a good a good pickup. And and look, in, when you get to this late hour, you've just got to start to sort of take a real cut price deal just to get back in the game, even if it's just for a year. On I don't know, a quarter of what you were on before, or even less, just for a year to get your career back on track. Sometimes it's got to be done. Why wouldn't you as well? I, find, I, I struggle with this because obviously I've never been a professional footballer, but uh, look, it's just. If you love football, which is why anyone has ever got into football, but as a kid, if that's your dream, 
does that get lost somewhere along the way? Do you get tainted yeah. with all all the behind the scenes stuff? Do you get fed up? Do you feel like once you've been on eighty grand a week, you wouldn't pay for eight grand a week? You know, there's a lot there's a lot of psycho- psychological stuff behind it. Yeah. But it's a short career, and I imagine when they're fifty, sixty years old, they're going to look back and think, "Well, oh, I wish I had carried on." It's just it strikes me as for that list of players, you know, what eleven that would be. Mm. It's just such a shame. And and, and, and a lot you, of you players have. About. They rely on their agents as well, don't they? And you've got good yeah. agents and bad agents. And, and some agents just may be going to these people with unrealistic offers because they're trying to get the best deal for their clients. But it, it, in reality, they may be pricing their clients out of continuing their careers. So, yeah, it's, it's a real, real fine balance. Um, she just goes yeah, yeah, there'll be some concessions made, I'll tell you now, across the autumn when, when reality sets in, when you're training on your own and you're, you're, you're watching the EFL show and, and you're thinking, oh, what am I doing? I've just got to take something. So, yeah. Depends on the personality, I suppose, as well. You might be willing to give up £20 million just for the right to not have to play for Arsenal anymore. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, plenty more transfer roundup over on The Athletic, as well as a look at Wrexham if you're National League inclined. Head to theathletic.com slash league show for a third offer subscription now. And let's get to previewing, shall we? League One next. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show and you could read pieces from the likes of Ryan Conway, Nancy Frostick, Steve Mabry and many, many more Saturday. writers. Let's have a chat That's about theathletic.com forward slash league show. Accrington Stanley welcome Shrewsbury Town. It's ninth versus 22nd. Stanley beating 2-0 at MK last week. After winning three on the spin, John Coleman saying he's pleased to have kept the brilliantly named Colby Bishop and Dion Charles after interest in the pair. They're their favourites for this game, Clarkie, aren't they? I think so, yeah. I, although Shrewsbury beat Gillingham, didn't they, last time out? It's been a really difficult start for them. Accrington, I think they've won both their home games so far against Cambridge and, and Doncaster. And I, I looked at sort of their underlying stats and... And they're not that bad. I think they've scored twice in open play so far, which is disappointing. But but in terms of expected goals, they should have had four or five. And I saw the highlights of the game against MK Dons and they missed two absolute sitters. So I think that, that they should have scored more than they have. And, and obviously those two players you mentioned, Colby Bishop and Dion Charles, haven't actually scored in League One yet. And that definitely can't last because... They're good players. Charles will miss this game because he's he's away with Northern Ireland. So there'll be a lot on, on Colby Bishop. Um, but yeah, no, I think that they... Yeah, they're a strong team. They're, they're hard to play against. They're pretty direct. I think they they knock the most long balls of any team in League One. I think they averaged... Sort of, I looked, it was almost 100. I think it was like 93, 95, something like that. Long balls a game. So they really test you. 
especially from set pieces where McConville has got good delivery. So look, three wins, two losses. Accrington, that's a perfectly acceptable start. And I feel that they've been a bit unlucky as well. So so yeah, yeah, I see them as, as worthy favourites here. We mentioned a bit of a funk around Shrewsbury before the win against Gillingham last week, Michelle. I think that's kind of returned after the FL Trophy defeat to Crew. Steve Cottrell made nine changes. He wasn't happy that they didn't get any deadline day signings across. He said after the game, once decided not to come because he didn't think he'd get in the team. Maybe if he looked at it tonight, he would have thought that he would have done. <laughs> um, it's a good line, but it kind of tells you that everything's still not quite right for Shrewsbury. Yeah, before that Gillingham game, it was a run of six games without a 90-minute victory. Five of them were defeats. Clean sheets were proving elusive as well. I think that went against Gillingham. I thought at the time that's massive for them. You know, Sam Cosgrove up and running, give them some confidence. Everyone was talking about Tom Bloxham, that amazing overhead kick. I thought maybe... Steve Cottrell's comments after that game midweek, they don't do anyone any favours, but he is always brutally honest and always sort of shoulder, I guess, the blame for defeats. That's just the sort of character he is. But because they haven't got the free agents that he wanted and he couldn't get the, the players through the door that he wanted, it was like, oh, doom and gloom again. You know, and it has been a pretty terrible start to the season. You know, it was, I think there was some sort of upbeat feelings with him being back back in the dugout after being so poorly last season that was exciting there was some excitement among some Shrewsbury Town fans but they've had such a tough start you know fans were booing at the full-time whistle the other week they're really frustrated I feel for them because yeah it's not going to get any easier against Accrington I really don't fancy fancy them uh, let's move on then to Wimbledon versus Oxford, which smells like goals and fun to me. Uh, they square off at, at Plough Lane, both in buoyant mood after stirring starts. Oxford will go top if they win. Wimbledon can move into the top half with a victory. And Michelle, they've only lost once in 90 minutes in, in all comps all season. And that was at Sunderland and, and only by a goal to nil. What have they as a club and the manager specifically done so right so far? Because it's... Um, we were predicting them to be relegation scrappers. It's looking anything like it. Yeah, they listened and thought they'd prove you wrong, Matt. But yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, I thought that, for me, from what I've seen of them so far, the fight back against Ipswich last Saturday really showed what they're about. I really like Jack Redoni. I saw him a few times last season. I think he's he's an exciting player. But yeah, they're training 2-0. And I know there's the cliche, it's the most dangerous lead in football and all that. What is it with me and cliches today, guys? <laughs> churning them out. But then, you know, after uh, they were 2-0 down, four minutes later, they pulled one back. And, you know, the game is anyone's from there. They're dangerous. And being at Plough Lane, having their fans back, it just feels like, you know, like they're 15th at the moment. So... Maybe too many draws now, which they could try and push on for those wins. But it just feels an exciting time. You know, it's such a romantic story, isn't it? So, yeah, they're going to this one this weekend. I would think, feeling optimistic, but oh, I know Adrian's going to go and talk to United now. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd fancy them. I don't know if they've got the squad depth in the long term to really compete higher up. Someone will clip this off now and play it back to me when they're in the playoffs. But just not quite sure about their squad depth is the thing I'd say. Uh, by the way, Michelle's done a cracking audition for the Football Clichés podcast, which is also available from The Athletic oh, with Adam Hurry. You can listen to that ad-free on The Athletic, etc. and so on. Um, Clarky, I said that Oxford will be buoyant, <laughs> and then I looked at it. They've actually lost three of their last four in, in all comps. Uh, Robin told us on Monday that the league defeat in that run, which was at Bolton, came with some, some caveats. But mm. I don't know, what, what do you make of them, good or bad? 
I think, well, they're quite exciting. I think that's what I make of them. They, they score goals, but, but they let goals in, don't they? I think they've conceded at least one in all but one match so far this season, which is a bit of a concern, but probably understandable because they've lost some defenders, haven't they, in the summer? It's a bit of a new look, new look defence. Um, although Jordan Thornley, I think, has impressed since he came in. It was a great hat-trick, wasn't it, from from James Henry last weekend. Two great goals. So so he'll be buzzing coming into the game. Yeah, I, I like Oxford. I've always liked Oxford. The, the football's quite good. Carl Robinson has got them knocking it around. They, you know, they're pretty patient in the way they build up. But it's not just about that. They're also good at, at nicking the ball quite high up the pitch. Um, I swallowed some stats this week and had, had, had a look at... at, at Shot ending high turnovers, and um, oh, yeah, yeah joy- that one, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a good yeah, one, exactly. So, you win the ball high up the pitch, and it ends with a shot that, that they've got the most, uh, so far this season, along with Portsmouth. So, on those sort of transitions that people talk about, they're pretty lethal, um, and they've got good depth as well. So, if, if things aren't working out, the, the bench is strong. I think Bowden, Winnell, McGuane, Nathan Holland, all, all have been subs so far and then yeah they're easily good enough to start in league one so yeah lots to like about Oxford doing better than I thought and 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 they'll also of course be pleased pleased to have held on to Cameron Brannigan um Blackpool were really after him and he stayed so so that's a boost for them Right, last stop in League One is the Johnny Rock Stadium where Cheltenham Town welcome MK Dons. Earlier, I caught up with Cheltenham boss Michael Duff. Michael, you're you're five games into the season. I wonder if you've noticed any significant differences yet between League Two and League One or is it too early to tell? It's probably still too early to tell. I think the pleasing thing from our point of view is we've, um, we've been competitive in every game, which is something that we were... So, so wary of that we might get played off the park and I'm sure there will be games when that does happen just through teams having bigger budgets being able to afford better players and that's just the life of going up a level but things that we've been disappointed with is we've conceded four goals from corners which is unlike us so going up a level you can't afford to do things like that the the positive to that is that we don't it, we're not getting opened up every week so I think that is one thing we should be able to address fairly simply um, I think the Burton game was a good example last week. I think we went 1-0 up. Well, we did go 1-0 up, I don't think. We went 1-0 up. And in the second half, we re- resorted back to what we did last year. When we went 1-0 up last year, we you could almost see the opposition thinking, well, that's it, we're done. We won't be able to break them down. So we 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 tossed the ball away a bit too much second half. And going up a level, if you keep giving the ball up, they'll eventually break you down. And that's exactly what happened. So we need to be a little bit brave and a little bit have a little bit more courage in our convictions of keeping the ball and, and playing out, which we know we can do and we have done a lot. Um, so that's probably the difference that we've noticed so far that if we we just can't rely on our defensive shape and organisation to get us through games. And it's MK Dons on Saturday. Seems obvious to say important to get a result, but I'm looking at your upcoming fixtures and they're pretty brutal. So this feels like a, a, a vital game for you to get something from. Well, you're funny you say that. The the one game that we have won was against Ipswich, who were probably a pre-season favourite. So every game we play, we're going to be the underdogs. We know that. Um, we're under no illusions of where we are in the food chain in the division. Um, it's a, it's a hard, I think we've had six away games out of eight already this season. So we've done a lot of miles. So it's nice to get back home. Playing a, a good team, went to watch them last week. Obviously, they brought a new manager in, in Liam, but 
the the way the shape the way that they want to play hasn't changed got some really good individuals so you know this might be a game where we don't see as much of the ball which we're not bothered about i'm not i'm not one of these managers that are obsessed with possession is i'd rather win a game yes we want to play out and yes we want to play but i don't want one of the, one of my bugbears is when teams have 27 passes it ends up back at the goalie and he whacks it down the pitch so you might as well just whack it in one so we want to have a purpose to our play uh, rather than keeping it for keeping its sake. So knowing that, that we are going to have to press in certain areas and let them have the ball where we want them to have the ball. Obviously, you'd have loved to have your, your supporters behind you at the Johnny Rocks last stadium. But I guess getting them back now actually gives you an added little something, you know, that extra 1%, doesn't it, that you can create that atmosphere to make it difficult for opposition teams, which obviously wasn't available to you last season. Well, it's something that we we need every little small margin that we can get. I think we've had a, we've had 4,000 and 5,000 for the two home games that we've had, which sounds pretty mediocre in the big scheme of things. But for us, they're good attendances. And the two home games we had against two fancy teams in Wickham and Ipswich. Um, so we we know that we have to, they're not, I don't think they're a partisan crowd. Um, we sort of, we have to get them going. But once we get them going, they they are very good. So they were really, really lively against uh, Ipswich and they did help help the players through, particularly in the last 10 minutes. So if we can keep doing that and hopefully there's a bit of buying, from, well, there is a bit of buying from the supporters because of last year and the year before. We've had a, a good 18 months behind closed doors. So they've been itching, uh, chomping at the bit to come and watch us as well. So I think there's a, there's a good uh, relationship between the, the, the club and the supporters at the minute. I've got to ask you about transfer business because it's that time of the year. You brought in Kyle Joseph on loan from Swansea. What what, what do you like about him? And and overall, am I right in, in thinking that you're pretty happy with the business that's been done? Uh, definitely happy with the business that's been done. I think you look at the team that finished the last game of the season, I think the squad is stronger now than what it was then. And that's all you can go on. We, we've not paid any transfer fees because we don't do that. Um, we've obviously sold our captain. For, for good money. We didn't want him to go, but we got good money for him. And there's nothing we could have done about that. He he got offered a, a remarkable contract at another club. So we on a three-year deal at 31. So we couldn't let him step in his way, but we got good money. Um, the players that we brought in, people like Kyle, we brought in quality and energy and pace in the top end of the pitch, which is the one thing that I felt that we needed. The centre-forwards last year did great for us, but we won the league and our top goal scorer had nine goals. So it's very, very rarely that happens. So it was the obvious area that we needed to upgrade. And it took a long time, basically because we couldn't go out and and cherry pick. We had to sit and wait our turn because of where we are in the food chain. But ultimately, we were patient. The centre forwards that we did have at the club have done brilliant. You know, they've not become bad players. We just wanted to add competition to that part of the pitch. And they've done brilliant to get us through to the end of the month where we could bring three very good players in. I noticed you started with four 17-year-olds in the in the trophy midweek. Is it, was that out of necessity or, or is that kind of a testament to the academy and the, the quality that, that you believe is there? Probably a little bit of both of them, being brutally honest. I think, as I said earlier, we've had six away games. We've got a small squad. We think we've got quality within it, but we have got a small squad. So we have to we have to protect them at some point. So the Papa John's is a tournament we think that it, we don't have a 23s. So it is an opportunity to give some of the older youth team players. It's almost like um, sort of almost like a gauge of where they're at. Are they ready? Are they not ready? Managed to get minutes into certain other people that needed it. So 
it's an opportunity for younger players, but it's also a case of just looking after some of the lads that we're going to need moving forward uh, in in the league because we know we're all hands to the pump. So it's we haven't got a huge squad. So yeah, it's probably a little bit of both. Before we let you go, I wonder if you've been set a target for this season by those above, or if you've set one for for yourself and the team. I've not been told a target from above. Me and the players have had a conversation of where we're at and what, what we think we can do, uh, which we do every year. And it needs to be realistic. It needs to be authentic. It needs to be achievable. So this time last year, did we have a challenge of winning the league? No, that wasn't the target to win the league. The year before, it wasn't to get to finish fourth in the league. It was, But once you start breaking it down, and you break it in, you know, we go half by half, try and win the next half of football. And in two months' time, you see where we're at and you reevaluate. So we, we've got an idea of where we want to be, but it's not pie in the sky, sort of, oh, well, let's let's aim for the let's aim to win the league. And if we finish 15th, that's great. It's the, the players need to come in and and know it's achievable and know that the hard work every day to make to improve themselves will give them a chance. And then we'll, we'll constantly reevaluate where, where we're at because. It's it's a it's a tough league. You know, you look at the the, the the teams, the budgets, the the players, the quality of managers that are in the league. It's um, it's it's going to be difficult. But we think we think we we think we've got a chance. We think we've got a good group, and we can do maybe upset a few people this year. Michael Duff there, uh, Adrian. We know them as long throw specialists. If you're MK, how are you, how are you going to set up to stop that from being such a weapon? Oh, oh that's, well, that's a tough question. Because they're so good at them. Um, how would I do it if I was a manager? I'm just, I played for teams that, that had a long throw specialist. And it was so good. It was good. I used to loiter on the edge of the box thinking that any time now I was going to get a knockdown and a, and a free shot at goal. Um, how do you defend them? What I would do is always leave one up top. Because then you've, they've got to put two defenders back and they've got a thrower. Which means that they're three down already. Which means that you can outnumber them inside the box which is absolutely necessary I would also clear clear the space around the keeper obviously you can't be offside from a throw in so that's a little bit risky but you can be offside from a flick so give the keeper a little bit of room by holding your line a couple of yards off and and the most important thing and every manager knows this is get a player in front and behind of the two players that are at the near stick because that's where the throw's going so four players onto the two at the near stick, one in front, one behind, and and yeah, the percentages are in your favour. So look, it's it's really difficult to defend long throws, but but that's how I would set up, and I'd, I'd imagine most managers would would set up similarly. You are wasted on this podcast. Um, <laughs> if Liam Manning's listening, you owe Clark here. Thank you. Um, speaking of Liam Manning, Michelle. I think we'll all be honest and say we hadn't actually heard of him before he got the MK Don's job, but but here he is having won three of four in all competitions. And I guess for, for the players as well, if it's somebody who you're not familiar with, the best way to get people on side is to win games and, you know, show us your medals, but show us your results is, is more important. Yeah, I think he's gone in there and, and done brilliantly. And if he's telling to do something and it comes off, then what better way of, of telling your players that you know what you're doing? But with with Cheltenham, with the long throw thing, it's such a big loss, Bentosa. Like, who have they got that's going to launch one in like he did? You know, at times it was more dangerous than a corner. So how do they replace that combination of him lobbing it into Boyle? I, I don't know. I mean, they're definitely holding their own at this level so far. And I thought they did okay. It wasn't a great game. They did right against Burton last Friday. So 
I just I'm, the long throw thing. Is it still going to be a thing in a few weeks' time? Yeah, I they've still know. got they've still got players that can do it. Yeah, I think I can't remember. Is it Sam Long? I think one 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 of the other defenders has definitely Someone got was one doing in, it last in week, their armory. Yeah. When yeah, we did it on Sky, yeah. they were still lobbing them in. But mm. I don't know. We were talking about it in the studio, and like, how do you become a long throw specialist? Like, it's just such a random thing, isn't it? And the whole Darnell Furlong thing in the in the championship with the towel and the hoodie and things. It's it's really becoming a it's becoming a thing through the leagues. And I was talking to um, one of the coaching staff at a Premier League club recently, and he said the next thing after set piece coaches will be throwing coaches because the turnover in place from throwings is insane. So yeah. Liverpool we got laugh, one. but yeah. On that hoodie, because I was at the game, uh, the Peterborough West Brom game for the radio, but so it was on the other side of the pitch. Was it a random fan donating their hoodie, or was this like a a coach that had sort of put themselves in that area? No, it was a random fan because it's a bit of a grey area. The hoodie was grey too, but um, (laughs) whether there's towels out or not, and who who has to share them and. Yeah, but there was a fan behind this little girl who kept giving him the hoodie. But I yeah, don't think yeah. um, they were very happy about. What well, it took it, him, yeah. it, he had to run twenty yards to get it, and then he took run twenty yards to take it back, all before the throw in. And, and put, yeah, posh were just up in arms. It was. Did, but yeah, did, did it, posh it, put towels out? No, of course they didn't. Right, so yeah, no. so they don't have to. I don't think. And obviously West Brom made a point of it. But then when the goal came, because eventually it came from a long throw and the ball was recycled and it came back up, he didn't use the hoodie. So it's just like you don't need it. (laughs) Um, Believe it or not, not, listener, there's going to be more long throwing chat during our League 2 section. Uh, Abby's put on on the Google Doc here, the long throw undid Arsenal v Brentford. I think you'll find it was Arsenal who undid Arsenal v Brentford if we're being brutally honest. Um, right, we've had a break from our ACA. Uh, time to pause and reflect on, on what we've been doing so very, very wrong. Uh, this is the week where it all comes good. Michelle, what's your, your League One pick for us, please? Yeah, I fancy Oxford to beat Wimbledon. Sorry, Wimbledon fans. Uh, I'm going for Accrington to beat Shrewsbury. Two straight-up wins. That's um, a real change of tack mm. for us. Abby, what are the odds according to Paddy Power, please? So, Oxford to beat Wimbledon, which I am not happy about because Wimbledon are my local team. Uh, but that is six to five. And for Accrington to beat Shrewsbury, that is evens. So, the double is 3.4 to one. Specific. That's right. very specific. <laughs> uh, we'll head to League Two next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. There's a full complement of League Two fixtures, so there'll be plenty for us to reflect on in Monday's show. We'll look ahead to a couple of the standout games now. Uh, the talk of the town at Field Mill will be the second instalment this week of Mansfield versus Harrogate. 
That is some clunky broadcasting from me. Uh, basically, Harrogate beat the Stags 3-1 in the trophy in midweek. Uh, I thought before we look into the game, we can have a guess how many changes in total to both lineups from the EFL trophy match to the league game will there be? Uh, Michelle, I'm going to go for 17. Are you going higher or lower than 17 total changes? <laughs> 18. <laughs> Clarky? <laughs> 20. Let's just go with that. I did I, I didn't look I, I don't have the teams in front of me. So so this is a this is a, a complete swing in the dark. No, nice. we'll revisit that on Monday when we've all got it badly wrong. Um Mansfield wise, Michelle, Sam said that on Monday show that they're gonna come good, but it's not been a great start. No wins in the in the last three in the league, albeit narrowly beaten by Bradford and Swindon. But yeah, they will have been expecting more, I think. Yeah, you're taking my stats off the tip of my tongue. I, th- I was reading about Nigel Clough. He said he couldn't believe they didn't score at that Swindon defeat as well. They had so many chances and I was looking at the write-up and the stats. And to be fair, it did sound like maybe they were a little bit just one of those days where it didn't work out for them. But I was keeping an eye on what they were doing in the transfer window, given they haven't had the best start. And um, there was a lot of excitement around um, Richard Nati joining on loan from Burnley because he played under Clough when he was at Burton Albion on loan. Was he was on loan from Chelsea then? He was, um, yeah. So, and then they brought in Will Forrester as well from Stoke. So they might strengthen further too. I think they've, they've been saying, you know, they've, they've brought on the two backup defenders late on, but there's still, we said it earlier, there's still so many players without a club. Um, they'll be looking to do more business. I think they had a bit of a COVID crisis too, didn't they? So, yeah, it's just... Maybe they're expecting a little bit more than what's happened so far, but if they can dip in to the free agent market and strengthen a bit, I think they've been unlucky so far. But two really decent, he's saying they're backup defensive options. So we'll see We'll see how that pans out. I like Mansfield because I used to go and watch them a lot and I was born there and Nigel Clough, but I do worry that their answer to everything seems to be sign more players. Um, what about <laughs> Harrogate, Clarkey? Uh, even though he's only been in it for a season and a few games, Simon Weaver's the longest serving manager in the EFL. He's been there since 2009. His dad's the chairman. I mean, you, you can't buy that kind of continuity, <laughs> can you? If it, if it all goes wrong, it's going to be pretty cringy around the uh, the dinner table on, on Sunday lunchtimes. But there's a massive benefit to it as well, surely, isn't there? I mean, that's borne yeah, out by the results and what, what they've done. I mean, what's he got? What's he got to do to get sacked? I mean, you buy, <laughs> buy your old man a really bad birthday present, or forget, you know, maybe, maybe that 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 would put it in jeopardy. But yeah, but look, there's no way that they would want to sack him because he's he's doing a brilliant job. He got them into the league. They stabilised last year, and this has been a brilliant start. They're unbeaten. They're the only unbeaten team, aren't they, in the division? They're averaging 15 shots a game, Harrogate. So they're really on the front foot trying to to make things happen. The two standout players, uh, Luke Armstrong, who they brought in, has got three already. He he, he, um, he bullied. I think it was Leighton Orient in the, in the win there. Quick, strong, you know, just a real handful. And, and, and then they've got a midfielder called Alex Patterson, who they signed from Wickham, who scored three already. Driving from, from sort of a right midfield berth. Great energy, good finishes. So... Loads to like about Harrogate. Hard-working team, um, no real frills about them, but they're just together. They run their legs off. They're organised, and they've got you know got a couple of star players. And and we talk about the changes. 
potential changes in, in the lineups. What does Weaver do about Danilo Orsi, who got a hat-trick in that Papa John's game against Mansfield? Does he does he chuck him in? So yeah, watch this space in, in regards to the lineups. But yeah, Harrogate fans must be um they must be thrilled with what they've seen so far. Looking good. Uh, last game to preview is that between Tramir Rovers and Hartlepool United. Uh, Tramir busy on deadline day. Mark Duffy, Stephen Walker, Leo Connor and Nicky Maynard coming in. Clarky Maynard's proven at this level, but but he's 34 years old. Do you think he can still cut yeah. it? Probably. Um, but but he's that not... That <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Michelle, strikers, and I don't want to be ageist because everyone's different. Just look at Cristiano Ronaldo. Jimmy so you Ryan. can't you can't pigeonhole all strikers and say that when they get to their mid-30s, it dries up. But it often does. Yeah, There are peak years for goal scorers and 34 isn't, isn't a peak year. Um, so, let, yeah, I don't blame them for bringing him in because... That's where they've been light. They've failed to score in their last four games. So that so they've sort of compelled to try something else up top, aren't they? They've, they've been using the last couple of games a kid called Elliot Nevitt, who they signed from Warrington Rylands, which is a colossal step up in, in level. You know, good luck to the to the lad. And I'm sure he'll come good, but but that is a, a big ask. So um so yeah, the acquisition of, of Maynard makes sense. And the manager, Mickey Mellon, is trying to work out what to do, isn't he? I looked at their systems, five games, five different shapes, five different formations. So so look, they haven't found what they are yet. It, it reminds me a little bit about Bolton last season. Bolton under Ian Everett signed a million players and they just tried everything for the first few months and, and it kind of didn't work. And then from Christmas onwards, they absolutely flew and... And I think that might happen with Tramway Rovers, who have signed 17 players, got a really good manager, lots of quality. Yeah, I think it will come good, but they've got to, they've got to score more goals. I mean, they've been the most boring team so far, no doubt about it. One goal and they've conceded two. So, yeah, the fans aren't getting the old VFM, are they, at the moment? But but that'll probably come. A big contrast between them and Hartlepool. They've won three of their four games in the league so far is it just the momentum from from last season Michelle or is there, there something else at play that, that's enabled them to have such a good start uh, I've done an Adrian and I've gone for some stats <laughs> so I had a look at what they were doing in terms of, of stopping their opponents and they've allowed them just 23 shots on goal which is an average of 5.25 per 90 minutes so that is over two shots per game better than the next most offensively limiting side, which is Mansfield Town. So, yeah, there's the, I think there's an expectation, isn't there, when when a newly promoted side joins a league that they can concede a lot of shots. They're maybe one of the weaker sides in the division, but they're quite a high-pressing side. And that was really affected in the nas- effective in the National League last season. And it's working again this season. So if it's not broke, then don't change it. And I think they did some... Deadline day business, they brought in someone from Stoke, Edward Jones, who I don't know too much about, but just another another loan signing to bring through the door. So they'll be delighted with a start. Their fifth, three wins from four matches, probably better than most of their fans expected. And given they're playing a side that don't get so many shots away, um, they've got to be favourites for this one. I mentioned we'd have more long throw-in chat. Paul's boss, Dave Chandler, used to play 
for Tranmere. And whilst there, he set the world record for the longest throw-in. I've got a, a hazy memory of seeing this on record breakers back in the day and Norris McWhirter getting his measuring tape out, but I might have been dreaming that. Uh, on it, at the time, Chaloner said, I don't know why, but I laughed hard at this quote for about 10 minutes. I don't consider myself a freak, but I must admit I can't really explain why I can throw the ball so far. Grip is important, and I feel it's the speed that I release the ball behind my head. Uh, the record has since been broken by somebody called Michael Lewis, uh, an American who threw the ball 59.817 metres, which Whoa. is pretty far. As, as we're talking about Dave Chaloner, I just need to mention this. I don't think it's a secret, so I don't think I'll mind me saying. But I was on one of Jeff's walks. He's doing his March for Men at the moment, and I was on a March for Men with him a few years ago. And I did the Swindon to Forest Green Leg with him. And we're talking about he's got a lot of animals. And his last cat, his last cat is called Dave Challoner. <laughs> <laughs> Every time someone talks about Dave Challoner, all I can think about is Jeff Stelling's cat. So I've got an image of a cat lobbing a ball. <laughs> but yeah, just thought I'd share that one. Uh, yeah. Jeff Stelling's got cat. a lot of animals. This is, this is yeah, quite, quite a, a revelation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They talked about it for on Soccer Saturday. He used to say he got a zoo. A few dogs, a few cats. Yeah. Basically it's a zoo. With Dave Channel <laughs> at the heart Channel. of it. <laughs> Overseeing <laughs> everything. <laughs> Lots of really valuable info coming out of the show uh, today. Oh, Abby wonders who's looking after the cats at the moment. Um, yeah. I can't I tell think you. His but... wife's at home. Dave, Dave Challoner is, is fed and watered. Don't worry. <laughs> I wonder if the cat can throw. Anyway, uh, it's probably time to move on. Clarky, let's round off this Akka. What's your pick from League Two, please? Uh, I like the look of the Mansfield versus Harrogate match. I think that both teams will score. Looked at it. It's happened in 80% of Mansfield's games. Both teams have scored. 75% of Harrogate's games. Both teams have scored. Harrogate's only away game ended in a 3 2 thriller so yeah I, I don't think these are two clean sheet merchants so yeah but both teams score please uh, Abby can you give us the odds on that and your pick as well please I can both teams to score is 17 to 20 Mansfield are the favourites in that one um, Clarkey I, I sort of asked some advice uh, from him uh, about my pick he gave me a lot of stats and then I've just decided to go with the easy option uh, Bradford to beat Walsall <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of time that was Abby thank you that's seven to ten, and our ACA comes in at thirteen to one. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over eighteen daily. BeGambleAware.org.uk, and when the fun stops, stop. Uh, right, we're just about done for today, uh, but I've got a real concern, um, Clarky. I, I know that you've got experience in this field. I've got to put up a trampoline tonight for my son's birthday which is tomorrow i'm told it's a, a really difficult thing to do it led me to wonder who in the entirety of the english football league would the the best person be to help me achieve this task it sounds like a clark might have been somebody that i could have called upon but but who no, else no, no done it once no, don't want to do it again right, okay. uh, honestly i really don't want to do it ever again just allow plenty of time that's all i'm saying and and don't wear too many layers because I lost a lot of um, a lot of fluids through sweat um, when I did it. In <laughs> fairness, my experience was was quite funny because we did it and I did it with my wife and and pulling those springs across it was rock hard, 
and and my hands were in bits and I had blisters. And it was only towards the very end that we found in the box a tool that was that you use, a metal tool to pull said said springs. And I'd be doing it with my hands and and it and it absolutely just killed me. So um, yeah, make sure you, you get hold of that tool. Um, in, in light of my experience, I um, would recommend someone with gloves, so a goalkeeper, and someone big and strong. So Thomas Holy of Ipswich Town, six foot nine, he's definitely got gloves. Give him a call and I think he'll sort you out. All right, thanks. Um, Michelle, were you going to go for Thomas Holy as well, who I've definitely heard no, of? No, that is so specific. When um, Abby mentioned this to me this morning, I was like, oh my God, how much more ridiculous are we going to get this season? I've just got an image of Dave Challoner, the cat bouncing around on the trampoline. I can't get Dave Challoner out of my head. Um, <laughs> I think mine was nice and generic. I couldn't go as specific as Adrian. So it does sound like a job for a lot of people. So maybe if you've got the West Brom backroom staff on it, Boing, boing and all that. There you are. As I've had so <laughs> many cliches today, I thought I'd finish on that one. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was on my list too. Um, I, I yeah. also th- thought maybe Scotty Parker. It, it might take a while, but you look stylish while you're doing it. Um, Bayo Akinfenwa, the power would be useful. Yeah. I feel like Mark Warburton would be a meticulous instruction reader. So that would probably be helpful. Um, I think actually I'll probably go with Derek Adams. Just no nonsense. Just right, get it out of the box, oh, get no, it assembled. I feel like he'd get moody about it. Like, he no, might, but Derek I think Adams, he'd be quick. I just feel like... Yeah, and he'd make a mistake and then you jump on it and you fall through. And then where would Dave Challoner be then? <laughs> I think he'd send you to the kitchen. I think he'd just, he'd just say, get out, get out, get out of my sight. I'm going to do this myself. If I can't, if you can't do it properly, I'll just, you know, I'll do it myself. I don't think it's any nonsense. I'll be more than happy with that. Um, I'll keep you updated, <laughs> listener. Hopefully on Monday, I'll be able to tell you if it was successful or not. Uh, we will be back on Monday, of course. Until then, many thanks to Abby for putting all this together, to Michelle for joining us, to Clarkie too. And yeah, join us on Monday if you can. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.